Welcome to the Hacksaw Podcast. This is episode three. I'm Jordan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my friend, uh, my brother Aww. from another mother, Aww. Everett. Hey, yeah. hey, everybody. It's Everett here. Well, it's 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 great to have you, as always. Uh, Am I a perpetual guest on on the Hacksaw Podcast? I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if I can go solo on this. <laughs> for those of you just tuning in for the first time, you know, maybe this is the first episode uh, you've heard by us. Uh, basically, what this show's about is we like to tear down and slice into the highly praised cultural figures who have shaped our modern world. Um, we think they're hacks, and we're going to tell you why. Like I said, this is episode three, and uh, the person we're going to be talking about today has pretty much become the, well, at least one of the main institutions of Hollywood uh comedy films and uh, the, television no, shows like, more like the institution like like the old nowadays the only guy I can other the only other guy i can think of is the the guy did the the hangover films yeah but todd he's Phillips. like todd he's like doing other shit now right he's like not even doing comedy anymore well he said that because we're so pc these days that he can't be funny anymore. Yeah, he can't be funny anymore because, like, those jokes that he writes are like, it's funny because it's a transsexual. He just doesn't realize or have the. It's funny because it's a it's a it's a guy in ladies' clothes. Yeah, that's it's a man the with joke. A small de- it's a man with a small penis. He's got a small penis. I mean, that is pretty funny. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, well, small dick, small dick is always. I funny. laugh at I that a little you bit know, too especially, often, especially. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's 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 always that's always funny, no matter what. Did we uh, already say we're doing our show today about Judd Apatow? Uh, I think we've alluded to it a few times, you know. But yeah, we're, we're talking. Doing, we're, we're doing Judd Apatow. <laughs> we're, we're doing Judd Apatow. Yeah, the man, the man, the penis, the 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 fucking piece of shit. <laughs> the human garbage. I, I think I think that he's like he seriously is like single handedly like taking the wheel of comedy comedy in Hollywood and he's just steering it right towards that iceberg full steam ahead it does seem like he's everywhere and would you be you know actually would you actually be surprised if I told you that he's actually only directed six films well yeah because uh, he's only the movies that he's directed are, are the worst ones out of the whole list and the movies that he's been a producer on uh, have been kind of spotty here or there. Like, uh, a lot, you wouldn't even realize that how many films, films that you like, he's had his uh, fingers in. Uh, you know, not not alluding to anything, but but still true. But anything that he's uh, been a, like a producer on and had any sort of creative input are the ones that, like, suffer the most. Like, the ones that he's had, like, zero input creatively and literally just fronted money for are the ones that are, in my in my opinion, and I think in yours, too, are, like, substantially, like, the funniest films. Right. He does these big kind of ensemble movies, at least as far as the cast goes. He usually gets a pretty similar group of actors to be in his films, at least since he went into directing a lot of directors kind of do that oh yeah i get it there's nothing wrong with that really it's just that he seems to really rely on a pretty strict formula well we'll get into that but yeah you definitely know when you're watching a judd apatow film like i just finished the the king of staten island last night oh after like trying to finish that for how many weeks i had to finish it yeah and uh (laughs) last night i was I just was like, well, I've watched everything else. I'll finish uh, Staten Island now, and or The King of Staten Island now. And it's not bad, really. It's just, I feel like this whole, the whole storyline he typically goes with, and the kind of characters he kind of goes with are, are kind of played out. You know, it's like, well, yeah, it's just we it's, get that's it. one of the problems with him is that is the constant rehashing of the same fucking shit over and over and over again. And, you know, like, I'll even go as far and say that that's not necessarily always, like, a bad thing. Like, there's plenty of, like, instances where, you know, like a horror movie, for example, like, a lot of horror movies kind of run the same sort of, you know, six or seven different plot lines. I mean, we even had a movie that acknowledged that, the the Cabin in the Woods movie. 
Um, it was a great movie. I love that movie. But what Judd Apatow does is the complete opposite. It's just just redo the same shit over and over again with different actors, and that's what makes it different. Right. So I think to kind of get us going here, you know, to get us cooking. By the way, this is going to be a, a funny episode. <laughs> Everything we've done thus far has been pretty dry and descriptive. Yeah. Uh, we're we've been get, very, we're, we've been very like Gore Vidal with our previous like previous. You're subjects. listening to Eric Weinstein's over here. Oh Jesus! Talking about, I don't know, some political bullshit. <laughs> anyway, you know, so we're yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have some jokes. You know, um, we're we're cooking. I'm I'm clicking my pen here. I got my notebook out. I'm gonna. I got did my. You, did you write jokes? Yeah, I got my joke book, <laughs> but I'm gonna. Set it aside for now because that I is want a joke book. 101. What the hell is that? Okay. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I knew it was ugly. When I was born, the doctor, he smacked my mother. Right, anyway. <laughs> but we're going to structure, I mean, by figure, I'll set my joke book aside because, you know, I want to structure this episode like a Judd Apatow film in the sense that, you know, we're not going off a script here. We're just going to improv it. You know, I, I, I took a little bit of an edible. Before we started recording, you know, I'm, I'm, I, my life is a mess, and I gotta get it. <laughs> I gotta get it together. Yeah, your life is a mess. You're, you're getting older. Yeah, I'm some millennial to... piece of shit, <laughs> and I need a cool lady or something to come by. And you're having too much fucking fun, and you need to knock track. it off. You know, you're like, wow, you're a real strong woman. I think that uh, I should change my ways in order to be with you and support you. Yeah, I'm doing it all wrong here. Like, I need to stop doing having a good time and, you know, just kind of letting life live itself out and I need to get rid of everything that I love in order to, for the pussy. So, I think that we should kind of get into, well, like I said earlier, Judd Apatow seems like a guy who's just everywhere, whether he's writing, directing, producing, planning, whatever other part of film production yeah, there he is. He started in stand-up, uh... He was going to USC for a little while for, like, uh, I don't know, like, probably some fucking nepotistic reason. And, and, um, where's Judd Apatow from? Is he from New York? Eh, probably. You know, <laughs> I've heard of it. No, yeah, we actually did do research for this, but no, he, uh, basically, uh, is, is a child of nepotism. Like, his, his dad owned a, uh, Owned a was in essentially you could say show business because he he owned a record company. Yeah, he ran a music label. He ran a music label and stuff. So he was sort of like in the entertainment world. Uh, very successful uh, record label that um, you know made a lot of money taking mu- taking music and stealing music from from African American uh, blues musicians and re repackaging them giving them like you know the classic like yeah like give us all your master tapes and we'll give you you know 20 bucks and i imagine his yeah. dad to be kind of like um do you know the character hesh from the sopranos the uh the older jewish man who yeah. used to be a record label guy yeah exactly no he is he is that guy for sure so um yeah i'm kind of uh picturing that kind of person well yeah he's basically just like you know like screwed over a bunch of like you know uh, a bunch of african-americans and uh stole their music and like like what most record labels did back then you know and just for whatever strength at the time made a buttload of money and so their whole family was set up for a long time. Basically, just like gave Judd like a free ride in the USC, which he didn't even finish. And uh, he decided to kind of just drop out and do comedy. I, I looked at some of Judd's old stand-up routines from like the late '80s, like mid '80s. I saw a couple of those too, and at least some clips. Oh man! Like, look for here's the thing: just to get to throw him a bone, which is what he would love because he loves dick. They'll comedy in the 1980s. Like, look, it was a different time. Guys love looking, too. I mean, I like looking at women, but guys are, like, into it, you know? I mean, I don't mind looking at girls by myself, but in a pack, I think that's kind of gross, you know? It's like, hey, look at it, look at it, you know? It's like, you know, I just don't think looking at women should be a team sport, you know? It's like, I'm with another guy, we see a good-looking girl, we both get horny, then she leaves, and now we're two horny guys alone. <laughs> This is how guys become gay. Yeah. After a while, one of them's like, come on, let's just do it. We'll think of her. Come on, Bobby, give me a kiss. Come on. <laughs> oh, I love the guys moaning. So I guess the question is, 
from there, okay, so he started out in his early 20s doing stand-up, and it wasn't very good, didn't really seem to make much of an impact, so it's like, okay, so how did he get from there to where he is now? And I think that was just when he started hooking up, well, not hooking up, but... He wishes. Networking and connecting, making friends, so to speak, with other people who were up-and-coming comedians at the time, people like Adam Sandler, for instance, who, you know, around the time he started getting into stand-up, Adam Sandler was just exploding, you know? Yeah, getting that, on. that time period was like, man, if you if you were a comedian and you had a guitar, you <laughs> you were you made it. You were a white guy with a guitar and a comedian. Like, you, you were gonna make it. So, anyway, he's making connections with that. He's making connections with people at HBO, SNL. He's basically using his, like, the fact that his family is, is well off and his dad is, is connected with people in entertainment and show business and stuff. He's kind of, like, you know, just sort of catapulting himself. And he also just got really lucky because he was coming up in a, around people, like like you said, like Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller, Gene Garofalo, all those people that were on career paths that were pretty much determined at that point. They were, like, getting just set up with gig after gig after gig and, like, part after part after part. They were just... If you think about the 90s, like, the amount of Ben Stiller movies that were, like, huge hits, like, the amount of uh, Adam Sandler movies that were huge hits, you know, like, all the Happy Madison productions that, like, back when Adam Sandler was, like, making good movies and he was making funny movies, <laughs> like, not anymore. But, um, you know, except for Uncut Gems, he was good in that. But um, Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I like when he... Uh, but that was that was a lightning in a bottle situation where it was just the perfect thing for the perfect moment. But um, he was just the directors were actually making him do stuff. They yeah, the directors like gave a shit because it wasn't some like fucking stupid Netflix dump off of money. Like where we like, hey Adam, we need like twenty movies this year. Uh, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I can film those in like a week. You know, and he just fucking dumps his fucking diarrhea onto Netflix and like they give him like four hundred million dollars a year to do that and everybody goes home happy. He gotta start writing the movies or at least co writing them. I'm not sure how much he wrote of it, but he co wrote with someone uh, that movie Heavyweights back in the mid nineties. Which I watched and uh it is uh <clears throat> it is not it's not that's not that one's not half bad because the subject matter in that movie is one of those things where it's like, it's, it's still going off of old comedy rules, which is no, like of just bits that are like, this is the bit. The bit is that we're going to say something as gross and as mean as possible. Hmm. And that's the bit, which is what they do today. And like back then it was like, no, there kind of has to be some comedic formulaic kind of thing going on here. Whereas like, you know, it's, it's actually like a performed piece. And that's what in the movie, like, you know, basically works because of that. You know, it's like same thing with like a drama. If you're writing a drama, it's like you have to have, you know, proper emotions for proper scenes that come out at a certain time and come to a certain like, you know, peak to get the full effect of the scene. And it's the same thing in comedy where it's like these bits have to be performed in a certain way where it's like it, it has the most impact. And back in the 90s, like they were still going off of that old Mel Brooks rules. It wasn't until later on that they decided to kind of just ditch that. Here's something about Judd Apatow's writing, too. It's like, well, if you thought his stand up was bad, you know, if you thought his stand up was bad. <laughs> if you thought his stand up was bad. You know, <laughs> the thing about his writing is. Well, you might think, oh, well, maybe he was just much better at being a writer, you know? Which is sometimes true. And definitely, you can easily transition into something and be better at that sometimes. And But looking up about what he actually did as far as writing goes, at least as, how much, at least as far as how much he was in, in charge of, he was involved with movies such as uh, The Cable Guy and Liar Liar and some movies like that, but... When I say he was a writer for it, it means he didn't really come up with the idea. He didn't really create the whole story. He added the commas in the script. He did. <laughs> well, right. Well, kind of. He did. He did like the margins. Like he did the... uncredited rewrites for the most part, okay. which is, hey, you know. Ooh, uncredited. Ooh. None of us want to work on this anymore. Could you touch this up a little bit? Yeah. 
and then we're good to go. Can you fix the font size so that it fits onto one page? And like, hey, Judd, like I can't, for some weird reason, I'm like, you know, I got this blank page on Microsoft Word I can't get rid of. Can you like get rid of it? It seemed like he had a pretty good run doing that for a bit. Not much going on with it, though. And then he started getting into producing there from that point. I think the main thing he was known for starting out with that was the show Freaks and Geeks, which was, I really liked it when I saw it. It's a, it was a short-lived show. I think it only had one, yeah, it only had one season. Freaks and Geeks was, 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 was uh, one of those shows where, for one thing, uh, the big point of reason why that, that, that show is actually a lot better than, than anything else he was involved in was just because of the cast itself. Mm-hmm. Like, the cast is a pretty much, like, everybody who's in, who's headlining or, 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 or main, main staging every single comedy movie or every single, you know, feature that's coming out nowadays. Right, like, who all was on that show? There was... Jason Segel, yeah, Seth, Seth Ro- Rogen, mm-hmm. J- James Franco, like, a lot oh, of yeah. the, a lot of people you'd recognize are, are in this movie or in this, in this show. Um, and I think that more so, this show having, like, you know, the amount of talent that was in it, even though that was this was a very, like, you know, for a lot of these people, this was, like, really early in their careers, if not the very beginning of their careers. It's the same concept that we talked about with Christopher Nolan, where, you know, if you take, like, The Dark Knight, for example, like, Christopher Nolan is a garbage director, but Heath Ledger is a brilliant actor, and he made... Christopher Nolan didn't direct Heath Ledger on how to do the Joker. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't like give him any cues. He didn't tell him what to do. He didn't do any of that. Heath Ledger is just such a amazing artist that he was able to just take the role and elevate it far beyond what anybody expected him to do without any help from fucking Nolan. Like he didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, I believe the same is true for this is Mm -hmm. that you have people in this, this, you have actors in this show that are just able to elevate the material. One of the reasons why Judd Apatow became this sort of force is that once he was able to direct his first movie, which was The 40-Year-Old Virgin back in 2005, it was such a successful movie. And it was the first like big hit R-rated comedy in a long time, I think. And it sort of brought back this trend of the raunchy comedy, you know, the movie that has a lot of crude humor, maybe like some nudity, maybe some drug stuff. I just feel like I, I feel like there was at least a half decade or so where it seemed like that type of comedy movie was sort of dead. We, we were kind of doing the screwball thing for a while. I think of stuff like Zoolander. I think about, Biodome. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, from like the like late 90s to yeah. like the early 2000s. Half-baked, all that kind of stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Half-baked, Mystery Men, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying these movies are, are bad. Absolutely but, not. Half-baked is amazing. You know, a lot of those Jim Carrey movies and stuff. But it's just been a while since... But those movies, for the most part, were all PG-13, or at least, you know... yeah. Families well, they had, they had, they didn't, them. they didn't go full like deep into it, and I, it's one of those things that Judd Apatow thinks that if you just like do, if you just show a dick, that it's genius. So they told me I was only gonna have four minutes, so if it's all right, I was just gonna focus all my questions on uh, Judd Apatow's penis. Let's do uh, it. Great, yeah. smart, yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you just do that, then it's genius. It's just like, well, you know, sure, go. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just saying, like, what's the context? Like, what's the comedic context of, like, the dick? Like, is it just there? Because if it's just there, then it's like, okay. It's like the very beginning of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's just like, here's Jason Siegel's penis. It's like, there was not really any setup for that. There's no context for it. It was just the first, it was just, I'm going to shock you with the first scene and be like, whoa, all right. You know, it's like, it, it needs some comedic context for it to be funny. So, yeah, he directed the 40 year old virgin that was a giant success and then he he just milked that formula everything just sort of spread out like yeah, that it was like, like okay that's what works like a squid releasing its ink just, just like a, a big pool of yeah. blackness <laughs> of darkness <laughs> darkness descending down to the pool depths of, of the ocean to the bottom of the sea it goes 
Hearken ye. <laughs> so, obviously, like I said, it was a big hit. And then it's, and like we just mentioned a little bit earlier, too, it really, really jump-started a lot of these young actors' careers. Steve Carell was already doing okay. Uh, he was on, I remember he was one of the correspondents on The Daily Show. Yeah, that was, that was his, like, resident job for, and like, I a long think time. That's, and I think that same year he started his role as Michael Scott on The Office. Yeah. So 2005 was just a... He was busy with that uh, for a little banger while. banger year for Carell. Yeah. But Seth Rogen was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin as well, and then he went on to star in, or at least co-star in the, the next film Apatow directed, which was Knocked Up. And, well, should we talk about 40-Year-Old Virgin at all? Well, my, as far as, my only thing about it is that, think? like... We, I watched it again somewhat recently before we started, uh, well, it's before just, we started recording. It's just, I think that one only thing we should say about it is that, like, Judd Apatow, for one thing, is a complete fucking hypocrite when it comes to what he believes, like comedy should be and also like what he believes is not okay especially nowadays with like the bullshit that he says on like twitter and stuff the whole like woke culture that he was like touting at the same time he was doing like some of the most misogynistic stuff well ever on the side he was like a total like fucking hypocrite about the whole thing but like yeah i think part of it starts with for real version it's it's the first like thing and we've talked about this before but it's like the first like uh, inkling into like the weird like pseudo conservative politics. That's one of the things that's uh, a common trope in pretty much all of Judd Apatow's films, or at least his his biggest ones. Is that, like you said, they kind of masquerade as these raunchy, edgy comedies. Yeah, that full like of profanity and that mostly humor. kids would like, mostly teenagers would like. You know, it's like that kind of thing. It's like appealing to that crowd. But at the end of the day, the movies really report. Uh, uh, the movies really support family values, or at least that's what they project. But uh, not like the good kind of family values, but more like the 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 nuclear family. Well, Judd Apatow is a very big family man. He's a big family guy, you know. Yeah. He makes us laugh and cry. Yeah. Oh, God. Come on. <laughs> is that in the joke book, Jordan? The family guy reference there? No, I just I just uh, got that. Off the no. cuff. Off the cuff, then. That wow. was off the cuff, man. I'm Holy improv-ing. Holy shit. Look Damn. at me. You could be in a Judd Apatow film, like, because like, you don't have to read scripts. Look, I'm improvising. I'm being creative. Look, it's a hat. Yeah. That's a book on your head. Yeah. That's a hat now. That's a bad one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got much to work with in here. No, no, it's not. We're just, you know, we're just in this... Uh, this beautiful office on the top. We're, we're recording inside the Space Needle. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're actually rotating. as we're, we got a great view of the Seattle skyline. You know, it's beautiful up here. We don't have any access to any kind of cameras, so otherwise we'd show it to No, you. we're at the top of the Space Needle, but we're, like, in the pantry. Like, in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Like, should we be... Uh, a windowless room. <laughs> should we be revealing this? What? Where we are? Yeah. I mean, they have to pay to get up to the top of the Space Needle. Yeah, I'm just saying they'll like, know our address. <laughs> I'd like to send too. one bomb to the Space Needle, please. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. So, anyway, with Apatow, the whole family values promotion, like you said, it's kind of like the, the lame kind of family values in the sense that it doesn't really challenge anything. It's the typical kind of conservative, like you said, nuclear family thing where settling down and having kids is really the best thing you can do with your life. Yeah, and which I'm not knocking if that's what you want to do. I'm not saying that that inherently sure. is bad, but I think it's inherently bad to like promote anything like that. I think that it's like, it's stupid to like put that like subliminally in your films and stuff like that. I think it's just a bit disingenuous to present it as something else. Yeah. That's like, the main to, thing to, to kind of what I'm, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like to like cover it up with like smoking weed or like getting hot sex or fucking, yeah, you know, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> The whole smoking weed <laughs> thing is so played out at this point. Yeah, it's nobody been played cares. Out for nobody years, ca- it was actually. played out when Final Express like came out. Like it was, yeah. done, it was already like, yeah, okay. It was like, fucking weed was like on our goddamn grocery list by that point. 
it's just it's so much of some of his character's identity that it's lame, you know. Yeah. It's just and, not a, it's just if uh, what like, it is really, it's just unimaginative. It's just like it's just a lack of creativity. It's just a lack of like artistic sort of uh perspective and anything, you know. It's like it, it's just so surface level and shallow. Like that's what a lot of his movies are. And that's how I feel like ultimately like why they kind of they they sort of strike a shitty chord with me is that they just seem so disingenuous and and like shallow to the point where it's like the amount of thought that was put into this just seems to be so little, if any at all. Yeah, so I'll just give a couple examples. I remember one thing that was a plot point in The 40-Year-Old Virgin was the the woman he's starting the relationship with in the movie... I uh, forget the character's name, but anyway, her daughter wants to start having sex with her boyfriend and the mom's saying she's too young or they need to wait for some reason. And I think the daughter is 17 and she's having sex with a, a guy that's her age. I don't see the... Yeah, that's like what... It, that's what I'm talking about. That's like the weird conservative stuff. It's just like, yeah, like, you know, like, look... Here's the thing. If your kids are like in high school, they're they're fucking. Right. They're they're doing it bad. They're at least doing something. They're they're doing stuff. Like they're all, I mean, we don't have to tell you that. You already fucking know that. Like anybody anybody with like half a brain who's a parent like knows that their kids are doing this stuff. You I know? mean, the fact that a lot of them it happened it it waited until high school is you should just say that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't start in middle school or God yeah, forbid like, elementary school. That should be the rule, really. Yeah. It's just like you 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 fucking control your kids, that kind of stuff until they get into high school. But after that, you got you can't do anything. But Yeah, but I'm just saying like, look, seventeen, like, okay, that's Yeah, that's a little bit it's yeah weird. But that's the that's the conservative shit, you know? That's like the that's the basically what he's saying is like he's touting the waiting to have sex until marriage thing. That's what it is. Yeah, there's and it some... all comes back to some sort of weird cuckoo fucking religious angle. That's like what it all comes back to. And it's just like, do we really like like I said, like, I don't care if you want to make a movie about that and you want to promote that. That's fine. The problem that I have is the the hiding it inside of movies that are geared towards people of that age group. Yeah. And another example I think that stands out is in the next movie knocked up Catherine Heigl's character gets pregnant after uh, you know surprisingly well not surprisingly but unexpectedly after having a drunken night one night stand with uh, Seth Rogen's character I can, I'm never gonna remember anybody's names in these movies I'm just gonna no, go by their actors it, it's yeah. fine you know what I'm you talking about I'm you've seen these movies stupid. I know you I'm have to fucking if you're listening down. to this episode you everybody's <laughs> seen this fucking movie it's like everybody's seen it and nobody even who has seen it can name the names of the characters they're all just they all say Seth Rogen and Catherine Heigl they all yeah say, they all say Jonah Hill they all say Jonah Hill everybody nobody says like the dudes it doesn't even fucking matter that's the problem with comedy it's just like with movies it's like it doesn't even matter what the characters names are anymore they don't remember him it's not it's just that actor is doing that thing that's it yeah they're just doing their shtick yeah so she be, she gets pregnant she's freaking out about it she's talking to a lot of people she knows about it like family members and, and co-workers and same on seth rogan's side he mentions it to his to his stoner uh, companions at their stoner house yeah. doing stoner stuff which looks hella fun yeah, honestly, they had a pretty nice pad, considering none of them worked. And <laughs> that's good for a little while. Yeah, that's good for a little while. I guess they it's sell weed. Fun for a little. Yeah, yeah, you got something going on. So, I mean, I, I buy it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, anyway, the you might think, well, maybe the topic of abortion might come up. Right. It might be something that maybe this movie, like, I don't know, when dealing with an unexpected pregnancy, and Seth Rogen's character is very inequipped to to help out or really take care of he's this not like child. emotionally really prepared for the whole thing right and Catherine heigl's character is just uh i think she just about to get a promotion or just got a promotion at the television network she works at mm-hmm. for some talk show or some kind of e-channel interview show you know what i mean yeah yeah because people in movies always have jobs where it's like they work at like a tv station or a magazine in new york 
or or they they or they work for a fucking archaeologist or something like that, and they unearth bones. Like there are probably about there's a you know a there's a couple dozen people who do that, and uh, let's just make stories about these guys. Let's just make stories about people who work for like the Rolling Stone. Because we're look, I mean, come on, dude, life is kind of boring. For a lot of us regular jackoffs, right? Yeah. So we we should have movies about people that try to have the same lives as us and have the same problems as us, but they have a loft <laughs> apartment in Manhattan. Yeah, they never really seem to be struggling. <laughs> nobody ever nobody ever struggles with anything financially, no. at least. Or if it is brought up, it seems like right. something that could it's the be same problem it has with like that show Girls too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah like uh, ever, another another Judd Apatow joint. Actually, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah. He uh, wrote in. Uh, but is a continue, continue your point about uh, knocked up and abortion. Oh, right. So with abortion, it's kind of brought up, but not really in the sense that they imply that as an option, but they don't actually say the word abortion. They dance yeah. around it. They say phrases like, oh, what you should do is you should take care of it. Or, you know what you should do, man? You should uh, have her get a shishmorshin. A shishmorshin? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah, not going to say it out true. loud because I it's might weird. offend some people it's here. Like, well, I think a part of it is. She should get a at the Shushmortion Clinic. <laughs> and Cause it's like, yeah, I could not say it and also attempt to make a joke. It just seemed um, kind of weird that that was, it was just awkward. It was a very awkward moment in this movie that stood out for some reason. Well, he can't really like say that, you know, like abortion is just one of those things that's just going to be argued about for like the, until the end of time. It's just like never. Nobody's ever gonna come down one way or the other on it, until like I guess maybe if like religion doesn't exist anymore, if that is a thing, then maybe we could have like one consensus on it. But that's probably pretty improbable. So if we don't, if we make a stance any one way or the other, and I'm not even saying you have to make a stance, but if we say literally anything about it, then that hurts the movie because it's not. It's not about making art. It's about making money. And that's, that's honestly, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's like Mel Brooks wanted to make art. You know, he made money because he made good art. That's, that's, that's what happens. Like, he, he made, he became a very wealthy man by putting out very quality products that a lot of people appreciated and still put money into and bought and, and, and rebought over and over and over again, even to this day. You know, it's like these guys, Judd Apatow is just out to make a quick buck. That's it. Like each movie is just a quick cash grab. It's just it has nothing to do with like making anything sort of meaningful or long lasting. It's just a cash grab. And a lot of the times it's literally just the cast of people that he keeps using the same cast over and over again and the same comedians that are, you know, popular these days because he's using name re- name recognition to get you to watch the movie. It's like, "Oh, I know Aziz Ansari." Yeah, let's check that out. And and that and then he pulls it. There's fucking there's another couple bucks, you know. Well, I kind of look at his movies in this way, which is that he has a room full of furniture and he just rearranges it a different a, a little bit differently. Yeah, it's a good time. it's a good scam. One thing I kind of wanted to say too is that when it comes to the family values agenda, you could say with some of his movies is that or some of his stories is that I also have to keep in mind, or I think we should also keep in mind, the time in which these movies came out, which was during the Bush era, which was, or the W. Bush era, which was that the Christian right really had a lot of influence on mainstream entertainment because they were the ones consuming a lot of it. They were into movies like Bruce Almighty and these... Yeah, and we need to make... Com- blue-collar comedy tour. Let's make comedy movies about God. Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... You could only really get away with much as much as you could. But as soon as uh, Obama, I mean, I don't want to get political here, but as soon as Obama got elected, it's like, oh, now we can be, we can really get back to being the the liberals we want to be. Except and I wonder, still and I wonder really. why, because like, I mean, movies came out like all the time that were like what not one way or the other in terms of what was going on in politics. But like, it's weird how Judd Apatow was like oddly clued into that. It just goes back to, it's just all about profits. I mean, that's all it is. It's just all about, you know, what's the lexicon of the day and, and, and the era. Like, that's it. He went on from Knocked Up to, I think, get a little bit more, 
I want to say... When did with, Funny People come out? I want to say... That was 2009? Yes. I want to say that he was starting to slip into a little bit of auteurdom a little bit with this one because... With what? Funny People? Yeah, because one thing about it is that he, as opposed to his earlier comedy films and and shows that he made that just kind of looked like standard comedy movies as far as the cinematography goes... For funny people, for some reason, he hired Yanis Kaminsky to be the director of photography, who you might know as the cinematog or the director of photography for many of Steven Spielberg's films, movies like Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan <laughs> and Munich. Yeah, let's get the guy. Everything from- since Schindler's List. Let's get the much. guy who did the cinematography for Schindler's List to film Aziz Ansari jumping up and down, screaming the different sizes of ice cream you can get at Cold Stone. So and one movie- of the worst bits I've ever seen in my entire life, which systematically after <laughs> seeing that bit from 2009, I, I mean, I'd never seen funny people before. And I was actually kind of okay with Zinzi's and Zari. I thought you know, I thought he was good <laughs> on like I thought he was decent on like you know Parks and Rec. I liked his sure. character on yeah, there. Tom I thought, I was, thought that was funny. I had some great bits. Entertainment uh, Seven Twenty. That that was amazing. That was I love that that whole bit. The Entertainment Seven Twenty bit it was so funny. And then um, you know I even liked uh, his his Master of None. I liked all that stuff. Oh um, yeah. His, his kind of short-lived Netflix show, but I thought it was mm-hmm. you know relatively compared to everything else that's out there. Like, I thought it was good. But the but the fucking bit he does on funny people about the Cold Stone ice cream and it's, I'm not look I told you the bit already, the bit already is him saying, you know at Cold Stone they got three different sizes of ice cream and it it it's, it starts with you know like small, little ice cream then oh man I love bigger ice cream and oh biggest ice cream it's like that's literally the bit is just him like just making just saying what the Coldstone likes to call it sizes, like what Starbucks calls its fucking sizes, like out and like just jumping up and down like a fucking annoying chimpanzee, like just like fucking. It's insane how bad it is, and that's like the bit that they left in the movie, right? So, (laughs) so yeah. So basically, the gist of the joke is, or the gist of the bit is, Coldstone Creamery's menu. Yeah, he's reading Coldstone like Creamery's menu and doing crack and jumping up and down. And after I saw that, I immediately just like fucking canceled. See, this is the thing. All the this is what we need to be canceling people for. Oh, okay. This is what we need to be canceling people for. Cancel culture. Cancel Hashtag culture cancel needs culture. to be like, I, I there are definitely like guys like racists out there need to be canceled. All kind of stuff like that for sexist people need to be canceled for sure. But we also need to cancel comedians for shitty bits. And this is right here. This bit should have ended his career. It is the worst thing I've ever seen on a film in my entire life. And I'm not exaggerating. I wanted to just fucking curl into a ball and just forget that the universe existed around me. I wanted to be sucked into the void. I was done at that point. I couldn't watch anymore because I was trying to watch the movie for the fucking podcast. I was trying to do some goddamn research. And what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? Okay? Uh, am I supposed to, like... I would have rather have taken a shovel and had to clear a mass grave than watch the rest of that fucking movie. It is like, God... <laughs> well, it's Sorry. about two and a half hours done. long, so I want to yeah. say that part was in somewhere in the first 15, 20 minutes, so you saved yourself probably a good two hours. It doesn't... The thing about this movie is that I want to say it's Judd Apatow's love letter or some gay bullshit to stand up comedy just as just as a I liked Aubrey Plaza. I liked Aubrey Plaza in the movie. That's it. Well Aubrey Plaza in anything is great. I liked her. She was good. She was good. There were actually some performances in this movie that I liked. Eric Bana is actually the funniest character in the whole movie, and he doesn't show up until like I two wa- hours into the movie. I wanna yeah. say I remember seeing it in the in theaters and I turned to the person I was seeing it with and I said, hey, I remember from the trailer that Eric Vanna was supposed to be in this movie and we're like two hours into it and I haven't seen him yet. This is uh, like, 
how much longer is this movie gonna be? Oh, they do that kind of shit all the time. I mean, fucking they they advertised Benedict Cumberbatch in 1917, mm-hmm. and then he shows up for two seconds in the very last scene of the film. And right. It's hilarious. It's just like I know you just got done watching this shitty movie that this this gimmicky poor attempt at at, at surrealism. Um, <laughs> but here's 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 the advertised actors at the fucking last scene. He has one line. It's it's so. St- Fucking stupid! I hate that movie. It sucks. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to that. Well, well, well. I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting fucking Sam Mendes off the hook for that one. That dude should be ruined because of that movie. Yeah. Well, we've brought it up in at least two episodes now. I'm gonna point. bring it up in every episode <laughs> from here on out. Like every episode will have at least one moment where I reference 1917 and how bad it is. And the fiftieth thing that's wrong with 1917. I swear to God, Jordan, don't even tempt me. <laughs> I won't. Stop. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But anyway, uh, funny people, all the other stand-up bits in that movie aren't that much better than Aziz's. You'd think with a movie that is focusing on funny people, uh, the joke is, is okay, the title is sort of ironic, which is funny it's people. It's ironic because they're not funny. Well, I think it's supposed to be like, funny people aren't actually that, they're not having that much fun inside. Because famous people often find out that having wealth and fame isn't all there is in life, which is a very original storyline that I haven't seen in any movie. Isn't that like kind of like the crux of like almost every stand-up bit or stand-up routine? Is that like it's funny because I'm depressed? I don't know. They've made movies about with this kind of theme since since the 40s all about eve i guess <laughs> maybe <laughs> literally forever it's adam sandler's character is this washed up comedian he's sort of playing a himself himself he's it's sort of a meta character kind of like eminem in eight mile you know where he's sort of doing his origin story but himself yeah but he's not but his name isn't marshall yeah 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 you know but you, you get it speed motherfucking rabbit damn right damn right that's a great movie Awesome movie. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> that, one, that one. uh Yeah, that was like that was like one of the last things. It's like, what wasn't Britney Murphy in that movie? And she yeah. was like the last. Didn't she like die or something? R.I.P. Yeah, she died. Like she a, died of an overdose, I think, about ten years ago. So she was playing herself in that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's a rough one, I tell you. Yeah, ya. the old Amy Winehouse routine there. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, tough crowd. Tough crowd. Oh. Oh. What a childhood I had. My mother never breastfed me. She always had a headache. <laughs> so, funny people, not a... just. It's just not a great movie. It's, it's way too long, and this is a problem that's with a lot of other Appetite movies, is that they just lack editing. He lets the improv bits go on way too long, kind of like on an SNL sketch where the initial premise is amusing and maybe entertaining, and then it just goes on like five or ten minutes too long past the point where it's funny, and you're just waiting for it to end. That's kind of what it's like with funny people. It's got some moments that are good. It's, it's There's always like one or two bits in each movie that that sort of that 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 do have a little bit of weight and i feel like it's like one of those things where it's like we had those two bits and we wrote the whole fucking movie around them right <laughs> it's the same thing kind of with his next film i guess we don't really have to go like chronologically by order this movie no uh, i don't want to there's too much bullshit i want to talk about uh, a little bit about um just just the whole kind of controversy around apatow and like there's so much. I mean, really, I mean, this could be a two-parter, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> we could do that with most episodes, I think. And stuff. But the thing is, is that, and also, I just don't want to talk about Judd Apatow for that long. <laughs> but um, yeah. throughout this whole like process, like this vetting process that we've had, where we've been sort of changing the perspective of the country and everything, like Judd Apatow has just been like shoving his own foot in his mouth and just like... <laughs> There's just been a lot, he's just not handled it very well at all. And I just feel like it's one of those things where it's like, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. And he just like, he just says like some of the weirdest shit. And a lot of stuff has come out, uh, especially from like uh, that movie Popstar. 
mm. starring like the Lonely Island that came out as you know a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was like this weird thing where I want to talk about a little bit sure. is that Judd Apatow like had a bit he wanted to put in it, and and it's like he wanted to just like have a bit where like. Andy Samberg rolls down the the fucking window to the limousine, and Judd Apatow like puts his own penis into the to the limo. I remember and, that. Yeah, like I kind of see where the comedy of that is. It's just sort of like a shocking thing or something like that. But like the problem I have is that like Andy and the rest of the people in the Long Island, like they didn't want Judd Apatow to like shove his dick in their face. <laughs> like he didn't really. They didn't really like want to do that. And then Judd Apatow basically like threatened to like not fund the movie. <laughs> like he was like he was like he was basically like just just not wanting to like he like really pushed for it and like really like almost basically forced the bit. And Andy Samberg like has been like interviewed about this several times and he's expressed that he was like not cool with that and you know didn't really want to do it and but Judd Apatow insisted and they went along with it anyways. And it's just one of those things where it's like you could just tell in like interviews and stuff, like watching him, that he was like super uncomfortable with that. Every time I've seen an interview with uh, cast members of his movies, and they get asked about that, about about having, a lot of different having stuff. to do nude scenes. Yeah, they they kind of dance around it a bit. They kind of joke over it. And, yeah, but you can tell they're uncomfortable, like you said. It's and, like when Lena Dunham uh, was interviewed and. Judd Apatow was like, we're going to have a scene where, like, your parents and the show, like, have sex and stuff. And, like, it was, like, weirdly worded, like, an email to her, like, where it was just like, this is what I want to happen. I want you, your mom and your dad in the film to, to have sex. And, like, we're going to, you're, you're going to be in it, too, and stuff. And it was, like, this weird, like, like almost, like, perverted email that he sent to her that was mm-hmm. in the writing process that like she expressed that that was pretty uncomfortable and like Judd Apatow has also just been super creepy about Lena around Lena Dunham and I'm not saying like Lena Dunham like whatever I don't give a shit she's she's kind of you know she's who fucking cares about her <laughs> at this point but like you know but still I, I do care when it comes to like Judd basically like treating her in like this really creepy way right well there was one actor who seemed to at least express some disagreement about that or some criticism towards him, which was Catherine Heigl, who was in Knocked Up. She didn't like the movie, it turns out, at the end. I mean, it's one of those things where, look, you're an actor. You did the job. I don't know what else there's to say. Because if you did the movie, you you agreed to it at, at some point. Yeah. You, I imagine you read but the But there's script. also these like rewrites, though. Sure. And these scenes added in later, where it's like people sign on to the movie, and then he has a tendency to like add in scenes like that after they've already signed into the movie. You I know? think. Well, the thing she spoke out about was that I think Judd Apatow wanted her to be nude in the movie. She said no, and she also had some problems with the way women in general were portrayed in the movie, which was that. They seem to be these sort of joyless, humorless people who are nothing but burdens on the and like on the breeding guys. machines. Yeah. So it's like okay, those are fair criticisms because that was one of my problems with Knocked Up. Actually, not to say like Catherine Heigl like should have been naked, but it was just weird seeing the sex scenes with her basically just wearing her underwear. She still had her bra on. Yeah, she didn't want to be naked. Yeah, that's fine. If you don't want to be naked, but I, I was thinking like if you they don't want to be hired, naked. You shouldn't have to be naked. But yeah, you can hire an actress who was okay with doing nudity, and I feel like there you go. Yeah, I think he gets a. I mean, this is my own opinion, but I I think he gets a bit of a kick about making people uncomfortable like that, you know. And I think that the thing is, is that like, look, that's just that's just not a bit. You're just being an asshole. He also has this weird thing with always, well, not always, but especially over the last several films, having parts in it for his wife and children. He's the nepotism, the hypocrisy of the nepotism is so insane because speaking of the, the pop star movie, like he did not want any sort of like, 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 uh, 
he used to be like against like all the nepotism and stuff in Hollywood of like having your kids be in movies and all that kind of stuff like that. And then it only took like a year or two after him saying that to start casting his fucking own kids in movies. Like there is definitely like several films where there was a young, there was a kid in it and he could have cast like a young actor or something like that, but he chose to use his own fucking daughters. Yeah. Ever since knocked up, I believe it's, starred his wife and and his two daughters and i don't i don't i don't get it because they're not they're not terrible but they're not particularly good either they just they're just there yeah and uh and what's also kind of weird i think is that he always films his wife uh, Leslie Mann in just like the most angelic light possible. Yeah, he has this like weird thing where like he always talks about like how he fucking married like the most beautiful woman in the entire world and like nobody's as beautiful as his wife and it's like you know and he also she's ha- all right she's she's just a regular looking person I don't get it <laughs> and, and they uh, they also have it so that he also makes it so that in his movies that she's in that other characters in the movie also refer to her as how beautiful she is. Oh God. I've seen it. I've seen, it was definitely in, it was a lot, a lot of it was in, there was definitely some of it in knocked up. There was a lot of it in funny people. It's just Adam Sandler talking about how like great and perfect and God's gift to mankind. She is <laughs> same if this is 40 and, um, you know, but she's, she definitely got a huge boost in her career from being married to Judd Apatow because she was just in a, yeah, she's like a regular Michelle Obama she over was there. In most of his movies, she's been other in a bunch of other movies that are kind of tertiary or or ancillary or whatever that word is to yeah. his other films, which aren't directed or really by him. Like movies like You Don't Mess with the Zohan or something like that. Right. And she was also a lot in Funny People. There's Ugh. You talked about the Aziz Ansari scene. Yeah. But I think I can top it which is that there's a scene, uh, I think about three quarters through the film, where Adam Sandler's getting together with Leslie Mann's character, and they're reuniting and and just sharing things with each other. And she decides to put on a videotape of her older daughter performing some stupid song from Cats. And you just Ugh. watch, and it just shows the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this i'm just watching fucking... home videos at this point oh my god and i'm like this what is, is the this narcissism of this man is just like out of this world. i don't want to see your hamlet your your family home videos dude like what am i watching a fucking harmony corinne film mrs jacoby in human form do you see yeah mrs leeds in human form do you see yes this is Jacoby changing. Oh, my God. Well, at least if you're watching a Harmony Corinne film, like, there's going to be some, like, weird shit happening. Like, you know, there's going to be some sort of weird reason why it's going on. It's like, no, he just thinks his family is so fucking perfect that he has to put them in the yeah. in and, thing. <laughs> yeah, and he... he That's his thing. He, he says this a lot. So he says this a lot in his, like, recent stand-up special as well uh the recent stand yeah i was we're gonna return okay so we're we're, before we go we're gonna talk about this fucking stand-up special so yeah let's get the last thing in here i don't really need to talk about king of staten island it's It's a okay film bill burr is great in it bill burr every scene that's the only reason why every scene with bill burr and like steve buscemi and like some of the other characters make it bearable it's just the overall story and the overall main character is just not very likable and i just don't really care and after like two and a half hours almost, it's so fucking I, long i'm just like i just want this thing to be over so it's I like we need two on. and a half hours to say that this kid like gets a job that gets a job and finds self-respect and i guess pursues drawing shitty tattoos and getting with the girl he was already sort so of like having every sex with. ever the movie ever made ever getting with the girl that he was already sort <laughs> of having sex with and having a thing with anyway and then just realizing oh i guess i should like maybe take that more seriously and then it happens and that's about it woo and woo, woo. so um, there you go i saved you two and a half hours there ever yeah oh thanks so much man i appreciate that Anytime. Um, but the thing is is uh this fucking so judd apatow this year released a standout special on net on uh, netflix and um 
He, <laughs> Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> it is not controlled by the Chinese. I'm, I'm saying that at all. But um, oh, okay. But uh, I'm not saying that whatsoever. It's totally un- unfabricated, totally un- unfounded. But um, <laughs> he released a special on there that's basically just Judd Apatow talking about his kids and talking about all the different people he's taking pictures with. He's taken pictures oh, yeah. with over the years. Like one bit would be here's a here's it's a, remember it's a stand up comedy. So I mean the one of the bits are um, I once took a picture with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. And this is a picture of me and Jerry Seinfeld. And me and Jerry Seinfeld were having fun. And then uh, somebody came in and they, they spilled they spilled drinks all over themselves. And, and, and we both laughed. Here I yeah, am. That, that, that was great. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, here are all the people I've ever met. Here I am with me. Well, here I am with my wife. And... Here we are. Isn't with, she beautiful? Here I am with my gorgeous, perfect wife, and I'm being pictured here with uh, President Obama, and he made a point to mention how beautiful my wife is. <laughs> Your wife is hot. I'm just saying, folks, Jedi Patel's wife is hot. I'm just saying, if I weren't married, <laughs> I would totally hit that. <laughs> if Michelle says it's okay. Yeah, if Michelle says it's okay, and I actually, if I never... If we, ever, if we never got together, I'm saying, watch out, Judd. Yeah, so this stand-up special, it's 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 just the flattest thing. It's one of those things where if the stand-up was just, if it was absolutely terrible, like some of you may be familiar with the, the, the comedy group, uh, Everything is Terrible, they have these compilation videos of just like the worst stand-up from like the early 90s and 1980s. If you don't know, you should know. You They're should, great. You should absolutely watch it. The way they, they make it funny because they cut it together in a very artful and very effective way. But even like just, it's so bad that you can't just, it doesn't piss you off really. It's just, it's funny because it's so bad. It doesn't, the thing about Judd Apatow's stand-up special is that it's flat. It's just, there's really no there's, high or low points. There's no, cause there's no like, cause he doesn't have any talent for comedy. I'm just watching it. That's a, the problem is that he's not good at comedy. Yet he is the person that is completely in charge of all comedy, like, like 99% of comedy that comes out these days. And it's all to do with just the fucking wallet or He's just in some sort of weird fucking pedophile ring like everybody else is, like which is probably less likely to be true. But like, the thing is, it's just like it. There's something weird going on. Either people are so fucking dumb that they're just like consuming this crap over and over again, and they're just like, well, they're buying it, so we'll just keep <laughs> making it, which is honestly probably more towards the the truth. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but all of his stand-up yeah. is the whole the whole special is just. Here's some stories about some people I know here's some, that yeah, are funnier than I am. Yeah, who are way... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, Judd Apatow's return to comedy when he was he left because and here's some, it, it's, uh, he sucked. And, and he here's some mundane... Yeah, and here's some mundane stuff about my family. And my kids think I'm stupid because I don't know what TikTok is. TikTok, you know, I don't get it. It's just a bunch of It's a bunch stupid. of malarkey. I don't understand it whatsoever. <laughs> I tried to make a TikTok and it didn't turn out very good. Uh, <laughs> oh no, dad, you're so embarrassing. I'm such an embarrassing, schlubby and also very very successful man. Yeah, you know, it sucks because uh, you know, I just I was trying to play hide and seek with my kids, but you know, it's like the house is so big, it takes forever. So like, that was a great joke. I have so many cars, I forget I've, which one they hide in. Yeah, you know, it's like the other day. You ever have your kids like mix up your Tesla and your Mercedes and your Lamborghini keys, and then you're trying to figure out like which one goes to which one, and you're just hitting the buttons and making all the car sounds and stuff, and then you just, that's a fun afternoon. He just can't really I just can't find him anything really relatable about about his material obviously i'm well no because his uh, material and even what was that movie the, like this is 40 where oh, like yeah. the the fucking whole premise of the film was like there's these two like really successful people that are having money troubles because they can't afford four cars and a yacht 
Yeah, and they're not making money at their record label companies or yeah. boutique clothing stores in downtown L.A., looks like. I just don't know who these people are. I, Judd Apatow knows who these people are because they are himself. They and, are that. That's who's around him. And that's what he, he writes. Knows. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how it's like you can just have somebody with like no real, like I, I just, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is I don't understand what people see in him other than the fact that the only reason why these actors are constantly in this movie on his movies and they sort of like. You know, with every interview I see from every actor that has to be anything, which is a very, like, Weinstein-esque sort of feeling I get from a lot of their movies, is that, like, well, Judd Apatow, he's the wallet. He's the purse. And I want to make a movie. I want to make some money. So I got to go make a movie with him. And so, like, it's sort of like this sort of this catch-22 situation where if you're an actor, you're trying to get it. You're, you're in comedy, and you're trying to actually do a full-on Hollywood movie in comedy. It's like you have to go through him. And it's you funny. have to put up with his stupid bullshit. And you have to put up with his perverted emails and his weird perverted script <laughs> changes. You have to put up with him putting his fucking dick in your face. Like you have to put up with all this bullshit just to like get uh, your career going and or just to like, you know, like get further on to your goals and stuff like that. It's like it's like you gotta go deal you gotta go suck that dude's dick if you wanna make it here. He's been on a lot of podcasts over the years recently such as Joe Rogan and your mom's house. And I noticed that they are just trying to vibe off him. They're just kind of letting him They're trying to suck up to him to get those parts, to get those movie parts. Like, hey, hey, Bill Burr was in your latest movie. Maybe I can be in your next thing because, well, especially now with uh, we're going to be dating ourselves, hopefully dating ourselves, but now with, with the whole COVID 19 pandemic going on look stand-up comedies is dead yeah it's dead yeah burt kreischer's trying was trying to do like what like drive-in movie theater like drive-in theater comedy shows which is like so fucking stupid like (laughs) you know Uh, sort of ironically louis ck was the last comedian to get one last special one last in yeah he got one last one in there all right we're done (laughs) can't cancel me because Stand-up comedy is canceled. Yeah, I like how Jed Apatow, like, has the fucking nerve to, like, send, you know, shame-on-you messages to Louis C.K. as he's fucking forcing his actors to stare at his penis. Doing the almost the exact same thing that Louis did. <laughs> Honestly, Judd Apatow... Judd Apatow is doing to all of America what Louis did to that one woman. <laughs> I would just say, kind of, kind of closing this out, I would say is that Judd Apatow is someone who would be pretty forgettable to me if it just wasn't for all the hypocrisy, if it wasn't for all the all the virtue signaling and stuff that he does online, say on his social media. You know, he's he's part of the resistance, which means... Oh, give me a fucking break. I'm going to post a lot and not fundamentally change anything about my lifestyle. Yeah, I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna that, do all the things that I say I, that I say are bad on Twitter. I'm not really talking about what I believe in necessarily or what I want to change or anything that or any real, say, candidates who I think should we should vote for. I'm just generally saying it's sort of like the sort of like the SNL bit where Alec Baldwin is playing Trump and the whole you could break every sketch down to I'm a big idiot. And yeah, I'm, yeah, and I'm a terrible president. And I'm a terrible president, and I'm bad at my job. Yeah, that that's that's you know live uh, from New York. It's you know yeah. okay. Nancy Pelosi, I don't like her. So she sucks. You know he can make his shitty movies as much as he wants. I just think that I don't really know what the general response to his latest movie is, the the King of Staten Island. But it's just, well, there's the thing is that most it's very, people it's seem crafty. To be, it's crafty because Bill Burr's in it. And I Bill think, Burr is pretty much unanimously loved, which as he should be. So sure. that's what like saves it. You know, it's like he, Judd Apatow seems to like eke out one thing about each of his movies, kind of save it from being a complete piece of shit, you know, like, but it's not like in a way where it's like, it was a generally well-written thing. It's more of a strategic thing that he does to like, keep it going. It's like, in order for me to keep pumping this garbage out for everybody, you have to have something in there. It's like, if you're pumping out cheeseburgers that suck, 
at least the fucking actual there's like some bacon on it or something like that that makes it bearable i just kind of there's a sauce (laughs) on there that makes it it's like yeah this mcrib is is literally just like processed like hot dogs like ground up and then there's but there's a nice tangy sauce on it so it's like you can fucking eat the whole thing you know it's 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 what it is Well, well, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Here, I've said I've said my piece. I got nothing left, man. I got nothing left. Well, All I can say is Judd Apatow is a hack. Hopefully, we've made a good enough case uh, a good enough case about him to uh, support that. Yeah, hacksawpodcast at gmail.com, right? Or is that, it the? It's hacksawpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and. Uh, also, if you have any suggestions for future episodes as well, we're, we're open. Uh, we are also going to be uploading our episodes to YouTube as well. And that's just at the Hacksaw Podcast YouTube channel. It's pretty much just the audio, but I uh, make a fun little slideshow with the episodes. So oh, it's so fun, Jordan. You're such a good job. Have you seen my son's slideshow? <laughs> it's fantastic. I like having any opportunity to edit anything, so I'd appreciate it if you watch it. If uh, if YouTube's your if YouTube's your thing, yeah, we'll probably get onto more platforms here pretty soon once I figure out how to do that. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, talk to you guys later. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.